from the very beginning. All of creation pointed to him. Every prophet told of him. Every story spoke of him. His message is for everyone. His mission has never wavered. His vision is eternal. His passion brought him suffering and his purpose was fulfilled. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name. Oh, good morning, good morning, church, and happy Easter. Jesus is alive. Praise God. He is risen. He is risen indeed, and we've come to worship him. Now, this morning, we've been in a great series here at Rolling Hills, and our Easter series has been called Jesus. I mean, nothing more, nothing else. It's just Jesus. We've been talking about his message, his mission, his vision, his passion, and his purpose. And I encourage you, if you've missed any in this series, go back online and, and watch, because God is speaking to us about his son and who his son is. And Jesus came and he changed the world. I mean, you think about it. Every time you write a date, Anytime you celebrate a birthday, your birthday or somebody else's birthday, you're marking the birth of Jesus, right? He split history in two, B.C. and A.D. And think about this. Whenever you have time and you just kind of wonder, man, does my life matter? Do I mean 7.2 billion people in the world? You know, am I significant? Then you're thinking about Easter because God sent his son for you to say, I don't want to spend eternity without you. And Jesus paid the price for us. And so what a celebration that we have today, Jesus is alive. Now, when we started our series, we asked this question. What is the overarching ambition of your life? See, everybody has something, right? Uh, for some people, it's to make money. Now, it's bottom line, man, I like making money or to be successful and to find success by how much money they make. For other people, right, it's social media. You know, how many likes can I get or friends or followers, you know? For other people, it's comfort. They're always planning, when's the next vacation? When's the next spa day? You know, when, 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 you know? For some people, it's fun. Hey, when's the next concert? When's the next sporting event? But, but what about for you? What's the overarching ambition of your life? What do you pursue? What gets you out of bed? What drives you through the day? You know, what's interesting is we live in like the most affluent country that's ever existed in the world and the most connected country, right? We live in a time in the world where people are so connected and there's so much affluence around and yet, if you would look at our society, you would look at the world today, there's still so many problems. I mean, you would think if all this stuff would satisfy, then why is there all the depression? And why is there all the brokenness? And why is there all the divorce? And why is there all the incarceration? And why is there all the hate and the division in our world? It's because of this. None of that stuff satisfies. As much as we want it to, people wake up empty because it's only Jesus who could change a heart. It's only Jesus who can bring hope. It's only Jesus who can bring joy. It's only Jesus who can bring purpose. It's not governments. Governments come and go, and governments are wonderful, and they keep order. But it's Jesus who changes the heart. It's not schools. Schools are great. Teaching is important. But it's Jesus. It's not nonprofits. Nonprofits are wonderful and meet social needs, but people still get hungry. It's only Jesus who can change a heart and change a life, and that's what Easter is all about, that Christ has come and our lives will never be the same. It's all about Jesus. So when you think about what are you living for? What's most important for you? And that's what we're gonna talk about today, this Easter Sunday, that God has a plan and a purpose for your life. 
If you have a Bible with you this morning, I invite you up with me to the Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. New Testament, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four Gospels. And I want you to kind of dial in here with me uh, this morning. And it's just so good as we see the God's Word come to life for us. Now, if you don't have a Bible and you want one, we have some free Bibles for you. When you leave today, you can grab one. Also, we'll put the scripture on the screen. Or maybe you have a mobile device. You can access the Word of God at Version and follow along with us. But pick up here, Mark 16, and we're going to be verses 1 through 7. Now, while you're turning there, let me tell you, I, we've got three children, and uh, Lisa and I, and, um, and our girls are wonderful. They're great. And I remember when Grace, our, our oldest, was four years old. And so when Grace was four, it, she came in to, to Lisa one day, and she's like, Mommy, 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 Mabry, who was two at the time, and she's like, Mabry, Mabry, Mabry is speaking Spanish. And Lisa was like, what? She was like, you know, Mabry's speaking Spanish. You know, here she is too. And she's got to learn to talk and all this. And Lisa, as any mom, right, she's like, I knew it. My daughter's brilliant, right? <laughs> she's bilingual at two. This is incredible. And then she looks at Grace. She goes, well, what is she saying? And Grace goes, I don't know. I don't speak Spanish. You know, <laughs> I, I, mean, I don't know. You know, but I think a lot of times people go to church and they're kind of like, it's in a different language sometimes, right? Or maybe you grew up and you went to church, it was all in Latin and you're like, I don't know. I don't get it. Or, or maybe you've been reading through the Bible and you get to Leviticus and you're like, ah, oh, this doesn't make sense sometimes. And, but here's the thing. At Easter, God's saying, I don't want anybody to miss it. I'm going to make it so clear that whatever language you speak, wherever you grew up, whatever denomination you came from, I want you to get this. I am sending my son for you. Isn't that awesome? All right, pick up here, verse 1. It says, when the Sabbath was over, all right, Sabbath is Saturday, Shabbat. The Jews celebrate Sabbath on Saturday, and it's a day when it was a day of rest. You couldn't go, you know, like anywhere, really. You stayed at home, you rest, you worshiped. Well, when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Okay, Jesus died on the cross on Friday. He paid the price for our sins. We all should have been on that cross, right? The wages of sin is death. But Jesus paid the price for us. It's called substitutionary atonement. Jesus stepped into our place. So he died on the cross on Friday. He was put in the tomb. Friday night, all day Saturday, nobody could go, I mean, because it was Sabbath, right? He's in the tomb, and then Easter Sunday morning, right? The story's not over. It continues. They go to anoint the body, and very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on the way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who rolled the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? They said they watched as Jesus was put in the tomb, as this huge stone was put in front of the tomb. And then the Roman stationed guards there. They also put the Roman seal on the stone, which said, if anybody moves this stone, you will die. And the Romans were like experts at killing people, okay? I mean, they, that's what they did. And so nobody was going to mess with this. And the women are going to anoint the body. And they're thinking, hmm, there's a big stone there. Who's going to move the stone? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. And as they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. So the women get there, and they look inside, and Jesus isn't there. And they see this angel, right? And they look at this angel. Do not be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen, exclamation point. 
Now, I love exclamation points in the Bible, okay? I mean, it's just like you could think about this angel practicing that line. He has risen. You know, he's just like, yes, he's alive. He is not here. See the place where they laid him, but go. Tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee, and there you will see him just as he told you. Wow. All right, here's what I'm gonna get you today. If you are taking notes, jump in right here. Many people know the Easter story, but God is inviting you to make it personal. A lot of people know the Easter story, right? And all different people throughout the world, they know about Jesus and, oh yeah, he died on a cross and, oh yeah, he like came back to life. But, but here's what God's inviting you to. Is he's inviting you to make it personal for you. Not just a story out there, but for you. Notice all the names that are listed here in just these seven verses. First of all, you see this. It says, when Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices. So we have three women listed here. Now, guys, I, I know that's kind of like not a newsflash for us, but back in this time, that was a big deal because women had very little rights. Uh, back in this time, women were all treated like property, basically. In fact, their testimony would not hold up in a court of law. But Jesus comes along, and Jesus does more for women's rights than any person in history. Jesus says, hey, women, you are equal with men. You have a place at the table. You matter. And the first people to go to the empty tomb are three women. You know, it says in the New Testament, there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. We are all one in Christ Jesus. And God calls them by name and says, hey, make sure you know this. These women were there. These women were there. You know what? When you look at this, just see the importance of a name, the importance of a name. You know, it's so important for us to know our name, right? Because our name really is our identity. You know, you write your name, you sign your name, but it represents your character, represents who you are. Some of you are parents. You spent a lot of time choosing that name, didn't you? For your children, you wanted to be something that was about your family or you want to be a character trait or something that you wanted for your child. Somebody picked a lot of time picking your name. Your name means something. And so you see these names. Look at the next name you see. Look at verse 6. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. Jesus. You know what Jesus' name means? Jesus' name literally means salvation. <laughs> That's what Jesus' name means. I mean, when God was picking a name for his son, he says, hey, call him Jesus. Salvation. Can you imagine walking around? Hi, I'm salvation. Just making sure nobody misses it, right? <laughs> I'm right here. Salvation, okay? I mean, that's what Jesus' name literally means is salvation. And then I want you a third name. I want you to see this one. Go to verse 7. But go, tell his disciples and Peter. Isn't that interesting? Go tell his disciples and Peter. Did you notice? But go tell his disciples. Did you notice Peter's name? Now, why would the angel say, oh, Peter? Don't forget about Peter. He was one of the disciples, right? Why did he just say, but go tell the disciples? Why did he single out Peter? Remember the last time we saw Peter? He was broken. I mean, Jesus had told him, hey, guys, I'm going to be arrested tonight, and, and you guys are going to scatter. You're going to flee. You're going to worry about yourself. And Peter's like, no way. Not me. Uh-uh. Everybody else may run, but not me. And Jesus goes, oh, yeah, you are. In fact, you're going to deny me three times. 
You're going to knock me three times before the rooster crows. No way, Peter says. Sure enough, when people come up, hey, weren't you with Jesus? Aren't you a follower of Jesus? Nope, not me. Nope, nope. And then the rooster crows. Peter's broken, man. He's sobbing. He's just like a wreck. But I want you to notice this. God calls him by name. God wants to make sure that Peter knows that Jesus is alive, that there's more to the story, that his mistakes are not fatal, right? His mess-ups, his sins are not final, that there is more to the story, and God wants the same for you. God wants to make sure you know that's why he brought you here today. And maybe you think, oh, somebody invited me, neighbors or friends, or maybe I'm watching online, or maybe, you know, no, 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 listen, listen, listen. God's been drawing you to himself. God has a plan or a purpose for you. And God has you here for a reason. Hey, go tell the disciples and your name. Make sure that they're here. Make sure that they hear this. Here's what I want you to know. There is a difference between knowing about Jesus and knowing Jesus. There's a difference between knowing about Jesus. and knowing, Somebody could come up and they say, hey, do you know LeBron James? I'm like, yeah, I know LeBron James. I mean, greatest basketball player of all time. Outside of Michael Jordan, I know, okay, you know. I mean, yeah, he's great. Cavaliers, right, eight NBA finals. I mean, you know, yeah, I know LeBron James. No, do you really know LeBron James? Like, do you know what makes him tick? Do you know what his ambition is? Do you know what his passion is? Do you, do you know him? Uh, see, God wants you to know Jesus that way. Not just a story out there about him, but to know him moving from your head to your heart. This is the most important journey, these 18 inches. When the Easter story comes alive in you. Comes alive in you. See, the fact is, guys, we all need a Savior. God, we all need a Savior, don't we? Uh, did you ever get in trouble when you were a kid? Yeah, I did, kind of often. You know? and, and, and I knew I was in trouble when my mom used my full name, right? You know, it wasn't just Jeff, it was Jeffrey Lamar Simmons, I'm like, uh-oh, you know, <laughs> I'm in Reggie, you know, it's like, I, I'm in trouble here, you know, I, I knew that, you know, or when she said this, just wait till your dad gets home, I'm like, oh, great, you know, that's gonna hurt, okay, <laughs> I mean, just wait till your dad gets home, and see, I knew that I was in trouble, I know that I made mistakes, but see, a lot of people think that about God, when God finds out my mistakes, when God finds out my sin, that's what Peter was thinking, man, I'm really gonna get it, I'm really gonna be in trouble, you know the most famous verse in the Bible? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. A lot of people know John three sixteen, but do you know John three seventeen, The verse that comes right after it? For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. You see, when Jesus came, he came to save the world. He came to save us. He came in love and grace and mercy. But we all need a savior. You ever go to the doctor and, and when you're filling out the forms, right, they give you, you go fill out all these forms, right, before you go see the doctor. And you're looking at those and you're thinking, hey, I'm not too bad, right? I mean, you got like all these diseases listed. You're like, don't have any of those, you know, like don't have any of those. I, I'm doing pretty good. You know, you kind of look at it like, hey, you know, I'm doing all right. You know, I'm not too bad. That's what we do spiritually a lot, isn't it? We kind of compare ourselves to the lowest common denominator. We're going, okay, well, I'm not that bad. I haven't done that. And then we realize, well, we're at the doctor for a reason. And spiritually, the standard is perfection. 
And the Bible says we've all sinned, we've all messed up. We've all fallen short. But the good news is there's a free gift of God. That's eternal life in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So here's what God's doing. God is inviting you personally into a relationship. God is inviting you personally. He's calling you by name. Do you know God knows your name? How awesome is that? The God of the universe knows your name. Out of 7.2 billion people in the world, you matter to him. And here's what God's calling you to, a commitment. Not a contract, a commitment. God wants you to make a commitment to him. God wants you to believe and to trust and to follow. You know, there's really two covenant relationships that we make, really two. First one is the most important. It's our relationship with God, right? He invites us into this relationship with him. And this relationship impacts everything else. You know, a lot of times we spend our lives trying to fix our spouse or trying to fix our children or fix our coworkers. When really Jesus said, hey, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. Start here. And then it'll flow out here. But you start here. But you know what the other covenant relationship is? In a marriage, right? We make a covenant relationship with a marriage. And many of you are married, right? You stood at an altar and you made this for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health and forsaking all others until death do us part. You made a commitment. You made a commitment. And, and, and we ought to work on that commitment. We ought to pour into our marriage. But you know, through Christ, we make a commitment. When God's not looking for you to date him, right? You know, hey, God, if I don't have anything else going on, we'll hang out. You know, God's looking for a commitment for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, sickness and health and forsaking all others. But you know what? You don't add that last part. Until death do us part, uh-uh. Because Jesus is alive. And we have eternal life. We have eternal relationship with him. Now notice this. Baptism is like the wedding ring. It's an outward symbol of this inward commitment. You see, I've got my wedding ring. If I take my wedding ring off, Lisa gets really mad. So I gotta put it on quick. But if I take my wedding ring off, I'm still married. Right? I'm still married. I made a commitment. I wear my wedding ring as an outward symbol of this relationship. I want people to know, hey, I'm married. I love my wife. I'm married to her. Baptism is that outward symbol. I've made a commitment in my heart, and I'm going to make that public. I'm going to make that public that I'm a follower of Jesus. See, here's the thing. God loves you. God loves you. If you don't hear anything else today, just hear that. It will change the way you live when you know that God is with you and God is for you. God loves you, and God's love is personal. It's for you, personally. God calls you by name. And it's not your parents' faith, you know, or your country's faith, or your family's faith, or your church's faith. At some point, it becomes your faith. At some point, it becomes your relationship with God. God's love is unconditional. Guys, our love is so conditional, isn't it? You do this for me, and I'll love you. You act the way I want you to act, and I'll love you, you know? But God's love's unconditional. Oh, praise God. God's love is also transformational. You are adopted into his family, the body of Christ. Spiritual growth happens in community. That's how you're gonna grow. That's how you're gonna mature in the body of Christ, serving, using your gifts and your talents for the glory of God. And it's eternal. God will never leave you or never forsake you. Several years ago, uh, I was on a mission trip with a team from our church and we were in a Eastern European country, and uh, we were there, and we were doing missions in different orphanages and places, and one day we went to this small village, 
It was this village outside, and, and we went to that village, and we pulled up in our vans, and this like makeshift soccer field had all of these kids on there. I mean, they were young kids or teenagers. They were all packed to see the Americans, you know. And so we come rolling up in our vans, and we get out of the vans, and we're kicking the soccer ball, and we're teaching them American football, and we're just having a great time. And then we go, hey, everybody, come in. You know, we're, we're going to tell you. We're going to have a Bible story. We're going to share with you some music. We're just going to have fun together. But let's get into some circles, and, and I want you to just go around and say your name. And so we're in these different circles, and I'm in this one circle, and there's these teenage guys and girls there, and I had a translator with me. And so I'm like, hey, tell me your name. And they're talking their name, their name, their name. And it comes around to this kid who's probably 13 or 14 years old. He's got his head down. And, and I'm like, hey, man, what's your name? He doesn't say anything. And through the chance, they're like, hey, hey what, what's your name? And he kind of looks up and he goes, I don't want to tell you my name. I was like, okay, why is that? He goes, well, I was named after my dad and I hate my dad. My dad left me and my mom when, we were, when I was really little and I haven't seen him since and I hate that I'm named after him. I was like, wow. You know, you could just feel the weight that this kid's been carrying and another kid jumps up, well, my name is, you know, my name is, and, and just kind of went on. And, and my heart went out to this kid. And we were playing games, and we were doing some music and songs. And, and I watched this kid throughout the day, and his head was down. And, and, and it was time to leave. And we were all going back to the vans. We are getting on the vans. And the Holy Spirit just said, go back to that kid. And I just jumped out of the van. I ran back to this kid, and I could just see him. He had his head down, and I put my hand on his shoulders. And through a translator, I go, hey, hey, look at me, look at me, look at me. And this kid looks up and he looks me in the eyes and I go, I want you to know something. I'm sorry, but it's not your fault, okay? It's not your fault that he went away. It's not. And I want to tell you something. You have a heavenly father who promises to never leave you or forsake you. You have a heavenly father and through Jesus, you can have a relationship with him and he will never leave you. I promise you that. And listen, I want to tell you one more thing. I want to challenge you and encourage you to live your life in such a way that one day people are going to say, hey, that's a great name. That your name becomes something that people want to name their kids because of the way you lived your life. You have that kind of character and that kind of integrity. And this kid's just looking at me, he had tears in his eyes, I had tears in my eyes, you know, and I just hugged this kid. But I want you to notice that right here, verse 7, where the angel says, but go tell his disciples and Peter... You know, Peter is not his given name. If you go back to John chapter 1, his brother Andrew invites him. He says, hey, we've seen the Messiah. We've seen Jesus. Come here, come here. you got to come. And his name was Simon. And Simon goes over and he meets Jesus. And Jesus starts talking to him. And then finally Jesus goes, hey, you know what? I'm going to change your name. Your name's not going to be Simon anymore. I'm going to call you Peter. And Peter literally means rock. Now, if you look at Peter in the Bible, he was anything but a rock. I mean, this guy was impetuous. He was sticking his foot in his mouth. He was doing all kinds of things. But Jesus saw the potential in him. And Jesus knew that he was going to be a leader one day. And that God was going to use him in a powerful way. Peter, you know what? God sees that potential in you. And through Jesus, God comes along and he changes our name from lonely to accepted. From outcast to redeemed. From orphan to son or daughter. God changes your name. Fifteen years ago when we first started as a church, we said, you know, it can't just be about us. And we, we took a mission trip. And we went to this country called Moldova. 
the smallest, poorest country in the former Soviet Union. And we were working in orphanages there. We, we met a girl named Inga. And I want you to hear a little bit of her story right now. I feel like your name should mean a lot to you. It represents who you are. Growing up in an orphanage, you often um, lose the child that you are. You're really in charge of you and your life and in charge of worrying about your life and what the future holds for you. Um, so I didn't really have much of a childhood. What I wanted more than anything was to have a family of my own. I um, wanted to experience what it was like to be part of a family. I wanted to be loved and cared by someone else. I wanted to, to be a child and let somebody else worry for me or take my worries and my struggles on and share them with me. I was always a good student. I loved um, school and I knew that school was a big part of my future. It had to be because um, a lot of the girls there get into human trafficking were um, do jobs that they don't really want to be a part of, were um, just have a very, a very unstable future. I was here with one of my friends who um, was also in the same orphanage that I was from and staying with her and her family. And her family have told me that there might be a family that would love to um, sit down with me and talk and uh, possibly move in with them and be, uh, become a part of their family. And I was real, that was really, really exciting to me. I was also 15 years old, so um, I didn't know exactly what to expect because I looked at myself as being too old, you know, to be adopted into a new family. talking to her and just feeling so right and feeling so much love. She asked me, would you like to be a part of our family? It was unreal. I, I've always hoped for it, that it would happen and had faith but I just never really imagined it actually happening. It was just unbelievable. It was, I just wanted to jump up and down. <laughs> when I was in the orphanage, I definitely felt like it was a um, temporary thing. It was um, something that I had to just grow out of and go through. Um, but then when I was brought to my family, I definitely felt at home and just felt like I belong there. You know, when you're born in the family, there's nothing, nothing that, that can tear you apart from your family. You're part of the family and you're there, that's it. When you're adopted, I just felt like if I didn't have that name change, I don't really have that assurance that nobody can take me from them or nobody can take them away from me. So it kind of meant a lot to me to get my name changed and to make it official. 
And at that point, I was carrying the name of my birth father, which I absolutely hated my whole entire life. I did not know the guy. I didn't meet him until um, I had to do all of my documents to come to the United States. And all the things that I've heard about him were just awful. So I did not want to carry his name. <laughs> I wanted to have my parents' name because I wanted to know that I am theirs and they're mine. And just as you would go through birth, nobody can take your kids away from you and nobody can take you away from your kids. And that was almost like birth, <laughs> changing your name, just birthing into a new family. So we've had this discussion. We said that, you know, we have each other and it was just a piece of paper that would change your name and it didn't really matter. Part of me still has always wanted it. Part of me has always wanted the name change and just always wanted to feel like it's a, a sense of home. I was actually adopted legally this year as a 28-year-old, <laughs> which is unheard of, so I thought I was um, old at too old at 15. <laughs> it was really, really special to me. I had my kid, my three kids were there, which was amazing. My husband was there, my sisters and my parents, and it was just the best day ever. <laughs> I definitely see God in this situation. I've learned about Christ early on. In my heart, I just, I felt it. I've constantly prayed to Him for a family. I've constantly prayed to him for a better future, for a better life. And I got baptized actually after my sophomore year of high school. It's definitely something that his hand was all over. And um, I believe he brought me here because he knew that he had a family and a child that needed to be placed together. Family is something that I carry with me through life. And it's something that I'm so proud of. And, and I'm happy and excited to be a part of one. <laughs>
Maybe you've been going through the motions, right? Maybe you've just been like, hey, I've been busy and all these things are happening. But today, would you just put a stake in the ground? Say, I wanna invest my life in what matters. I wanna live my life for the glory of God. I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. And I wanna be the man or the woman that he created me to be because he sees potential in me. And the best of my life is still ahead if I'm holding on to him and following him. Don't miss him today. Jesus wants you to make it personal today. Inside your worship guide, I want to ask everybody to pull one of these out. This is a worship guide. Hopefully you got this when you came in. And, and I want to ask everybody just to look at this connection card. Maybe you've taken the time to fill out the front, but just tear it off right now. And I want everybody to look at the back. This is an all skate, by the way. So everybody, right, just jump in here. Look at the back, everybody. And I want you to mark one of these, A, B, C, or D. Okay, you know, it's amazing to me how we'll go meet with an insurance agent or we'll go talk about retirement. We get all these things ready here, but spiritually, we just kind of keep pushing it off. We just push it off. You know what? Spiritually, this lasts a lot longer, okay, than this life. I mean, this is eternity we're talking about. So maybe today, maybe today you want to mark A. I'm accepting Jesus Christ and his gift of salvation for the first time. You know, this makes sense. This is what Easter's all about. I confess that Jesus is the Lord of my life. I want him in my heart. I want to move from my head to my heart today. Or maybe B, I believe in Jesus and I want to take the next step to be baptized in Christ. You know, I thought at 15 or 28, or it doesn't matter what age you are, taking that step of obedience and saying, hey, I'm going to make it public. I'm a follower of Jesus. Or maybe C, hey, I'm committed. You know what? I'm committed to Jesus as his disciple and I'm living my life for him. Easter 2018, I'm putting a stake in the ground. I'm committed. You know, I'm be a part of a church, be a part of the body of Christ. I'm living my life for him. I'm not missing it. I'm not investing in things that are temporary. I'm investing in the eternal. Or maybe it's D. Maybe you just say, I don't know about Jesus' claims, but I'd like to talk more with someone. Where are you today? Be honest. Maybe you have a prayer request. You can put that on here or you can fill out the front. But just a moment, our ushers are gonna come and I'm gonna invite you just to drop this into the basket. And we'll follow up with you. We'll celebrate with you. But this is your day. This is your day. Now think about this. If God can raise a dead Jesus, <laughs> he can raise a dead you. He can raise a dead marriage. He can raise a dead dream. He can raise a dead career. He can raise a dead spirit. He can raise a dead you. Jesus is alive. So let's come alive today and let's live our lives for the glory of God today. I'm going to invite our ushers to come forward. This is a chance for us to respond back to God. You know what? I want to encourage you to drop this into the offering basket, but also if you want to give, you know, your financial gifts, they impact people. I mean, you just saw Inga's story, but so many people's lives are impacted, whether it's in Moldova or South Africa or the Amazon or right here in our own community. Guys, it takes all of us together, locking arms to be the church that God's called us to be, the family of God. So let me pray for us right now as we have a chance to give and a chance to worship. Father, thank you for Jesus, <laughs> for the hope that we have in Christ, that this world is not all that there is, that we don't have to be alone. God, thank you that Jesus is alive. And when it was Friday and he was on the cross or Saturday and it looked like hope was gone, 
Father, that was not all the story that you made him alive on Easter. And so, Father, this morning, I pray that we would come alive. I pray that, Father, this morning, Jesus would be the Lord of our lives, the Lord of our hearts, and that we would commit to living our lives for you, wholly, completely for you. Thank you for your presence this morning. And God, we continue our time of worship by giving back. Everything we have comes from you, and you have blessed us in order to be a blessing. So take and receive, God, what we give to you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you.